This is a news laundry podcast. Welcome to NL Hafta. Hello and welcome to episode 38 of News Laundry Hafta. I'm Abhinandan Sekri. And like we say, Angrez apna lagan aur News Laundry apna hafta kabhi nahi chhodte. Today uh, our guest is from Punjab. Before I introduce our guest, uh, I just like to plug when the public pays, the public is served. And when corporations pay, corporations are served. Support independent media, support News Laundry. Click on I pay to keep news free. and subscribe uh, also apart from news laundry hafta we at news laundry have another fortnightly podcast this time it's called global summits where are we going it's in collaboration with biraj swain and it's about global summits and all these international organizations and all these uh, conventions and meetings that happen what really comes of it uh, it has area experts and uh, you can hear all about those with her uh, in fact the next one will be uploaded tomorrow if i'm not wrong yeah. Uh, and news only hafta is available on soundcloud as well as on itunes if you're listening to this podcast on soundcloud you can find the itunes link below the description also uh, you know all the pieces that we refer to or that we mention while we're discussing uh, news uh, happenings in, on the podcast on hafta their links are on the news laundry page below the podcast so a lot of our viewers have been asking us who listen to the podcast on soundcloud where is the link the soundcloud page will not have the link the links will be on the newslaundry.com page under podcasts so you can check us out there so uh, i'll introduce my guest but before i uh, introduce my guest madhu is stuck in traffic she'll be joining us shortly we have anand here hello arunab hello abhishek hi and manisha is in uh, banaras working on something fun and uh, exciting which you'll hear about shortly and we have a guest from punjab vipin pabbi who is a veteran journalist many of you who have been following news for years have heard of him or know of him he was a resident editor of the indian express in chandigarh uh, and uh, before we discuss all the other stuff that's happening vipin uh, could you just tell us punjab has been in the news but yet not in the news in the sense uh, yes, uh, lots thanks, has been Nandana, happening and, uh, there sorry uh, yeah i mean i i get from you know uh, uh, my friends in punjab from sangrur on facebook they are posting all sorts of stuff which is actually quite alarming but when i turn on to the news or even when i see the front page of the newspaper I don't get that. So you're in Punjab. Just tell us what's up. Yeah, you know, that is uh, something you know. I really wanted to say also because you know I've been hearing that you know our friends from the south and other parts of the country, also the northeast, that uh, the news is not centric on the, the national media in the newspapers coming out from Delhi and from the electronic media. But I would like to be more specific. I think the news is NCR specific. It's not Delhi. It's NCR specific. That's what is announced uh, yeah. out uh, from Delhi. Hmm. So while we have uh, the leading papers coming out from Chandigarh, Times of India, Hindustan Times, the Indian Express, the Tribune, Hindi papers including Bhaskar and Amar Ujala and Punjab Tribune, everything. And these papers here in Punjab and then the Punjab and Haryana editions have been bringing out Punjab, whatever ever is happening in Punjab and development there, very prominently. But when you open the Delhi editions of these papers, you find that the news is either buried or not carried at all. Similarly, the electronic channels, you know, they remain busy with you know, things happening around Delhi or NCR, or maybe in the present context uh, with Bihar, you know, the Bihar elections are on. So um, while Punjab was facing a lot of problems in the recent past, it wasn't heard from the national media. Right. Uh, if you one instance, one instance that you know we had a farmer education. Uh, in the last about couple of uh, weeks ago mm-hmm. and about 800 trains 800 trains were either cancelled 
or were diverted. And not a word in the national media about Why do you think I that know. is? Uh, also, Madhu just joined us. Hi, Madhu. Hi. So, Vipin is just Hello, telling us. Hello, hi. In fact, uh, Vipin, your brother works for India today, right? Oh, no, sorry, he's my son, actually. He's, he's your son? Oh, yeah. Karthik told me he was your brother. <laughs> oh dear. Okay. Yeah. So did Madhu, you know, once? What a coincidence. <laughs> <laughs> what a co. Okay, sorry. So, uh, Madhu, uh, you were stuck in traffic. He's telling us about you know, how it's ignored. I saw one debate on the Punjab issue. Uh, uh-huh. But uh, other than that, you know, uh, just uh, I, I want to get a, you know, on the ground uh, kind of analysis from you. Yeah. What, when I read, I have a few friends, you know, somewhere in Sangroor, somewhere in a place called Turi. And uh, there are very alarming Facebook posts that they put, you know, almost saying that guys, we don't, and they are Sikhs, and uh, they say, uh, all my friends reading this on Facebook, be careful, we don't want to go back to 84. I mean, it, it is, you can see the fear in their posts, but I see nothing in mainstream media. Are they just yeah. really alarmed? or I mean, just give me an idea. The, it's too stark, the difference. Yes, as I was just telling you, that national media had been almost missing out on Punjab or whatever is happening here, and mainly because they're NCR centric. But the social media, on the other hand, has been on the overdrive. I would say overdrive because a lot of youth, and particularly um, you know, the diaspora, the Punjabi diaspora, the Sikh diaspora, settled abroad, they have been very, very active. More active than <laughs> I would say it's actually justified also because you know there were all kind of rumors floating on the social media that there is a curfew is being imposed in Punjab and paramilitary forces are out and the army is alert and all that kind of thing, which had no basis. Yet these people had been planting all those kind of stories. So the social media has been rather overactive on these issues, but at the same time, the problems there had been very serious, including the farmer's agitation earlier, and now the desperation of the holy book of the text. I see. Um, sorry, anyone else before we, you know, discuss some other yeah, stuff? Yeah, I mean, I, I wanted to ask uh, Vipin. Uh, Vipin, yeah. how do you, uh, I mean, I can understand this problem, and I think it is endemic. You know, what you say is right. Media is slowly, uh, <clears throat> if not Delhi-centric, it's becoming NCR-centric. But uh, yeah. you have any solutions to this, uh, Vipin? I think uh, the media at the national level needs to be a little more sensitive and uh, need to send out people a little more. They have got into a kind of a comfort zone. Anything happening in Faridabad, Dadri or in Gurgaon, they can rush their reporters and all that. Some of these um, channels and media have uh, people in other parts of the country as well. Um, But they need to uh, open up their eyes. It's only when certain things affect them directly in Delhi that they take note of these things. So let yeah. us say if the incidents had happened, let's say in Assam or in some pla- in Guntur or you know some place in South, do you think right. the the same incidents would have garnered as much media coverage, the Dadri and the Faridabad incidents? Absolutely, that's what I, that's what point I want to make. You know that very unfortunate rape incident that gang rape was happened in Delhi last year or last last year. Almost at the same time, a similar incident happened in Ludhiana, and the local papers reported about it. But that incident, nobody mentioned in the main media. Uh, it was only that incident that happened in Delhi or that gang rape. We equally unfortunate. But uh, uh, that gives a very clear pointer that a similar incident in other parts of the country will not get that much of attention what they get in Delhi and NCR. What kind of reaction do you expect from the center for these issues that have come up in Punjab? Uh, you see, uh, it's uh, in Punjab, particularly, you know, the ISI and other agencies uh, abroad, they are very quite active uh, in the sense, and they want to comment 
trouble in Punjab. It, it was the past also that thing has happened. And they find it very convenient since it's a border state. And some of the known militants who are wanted militants are in Punjab. It is in everybody's knowledge. So what they try to do is they try to foment trouble. And the latest uh, intelligence reports, maybe two, may not be true, say that they are again trying to, you know, strike in, in the city, in, in, sorry, in Punjab, as they did in Dinanagar about a couple of months ago, because that border is a little more transparent uh, rather than Jammu and Kashmir, which is heavily guarded. So, Venter uh, you know, needs to be more cautious, more sensitive to what, uh, what's happening, and uh, they need to pay more focused attention on Punjab, particularly. Uh, Vipin, uh, my name is Abhishek. I'm still quite confused. Uh... Uh, about what exactly is happening in Punjab, I think m most of most people in Punjab uh, are also con equally confused. Uh, what do you think? But yeah. yesterday, uh, for last few days, I'm, we've been hearing that you know there could be the possible masterminds are be sort of like Australia and Dubai. Uh, so, yeah. so what is your hunch? Uh, this might not be the smartest okay, question. Uh, but, uh, as I also mentioned in that piece which you uh, the link which you are providing, six diaspora is very very active, and many of these people who are abroad and who are active supporters and backers of these people here in Punjab, uh, the radical element that is, uh, had gone there about 30-40 years ago and their mindset is, uh, is wrapped, you know, around that time. They are living in a kind of time wrap and some of them could be genuinely, you know, uh, feeling strongly about it also. But unlike in other communities, Sikhs particularly are very, very sensitive when the religion is uh, concerned. And uh, they are very actively involved uh, in anything happening. For instance, there is a person who is on a fast unto death in, in Punjab for about, about 300 days. He takes Kala Prashad, that is the uh, uh, Prashad. But uh, there is a lot of support for him from abroad. If you see, go to on this YouTube and others, you find everyday protests happening. But you don't hear of much of him here in India. So, and so they have very active supporters in uh, sitting abroad and in one of the instances where they found, they have established that this man who desecrated a holy book, he was in touch with those people and they were offering him money and whatever. Uh, and so these people are involved in that. So just now, one more... Is also, there is another, one, another angle to what is happening in Punjab and that is too much of concentration uh, of uh, power, both religious and political, in one family. Just one yeah, you've mentioned and that in your piece. Uh, we'd like people to read the, uh, you know, Mr. Pabbi's piece on that. They'll get more clarity. Arunav had a question for you. Uh, uh, hello, Mr. Pabbi. I'm Arunav. I had the question for you. There, there are rumors in social media about a possible uh, media blackout or a gag order by the uh, state government. Is there any truth, truth to that? Uh, no, I don't think so. And that's what I was just mentioning. That social media has been hyperactive, and there's uh, not likely to be anything uh, like that. I mean, they can't afford to take a. As far as I think, uh, all like that. Um, but uh, so, what's the coverage by uh, the Badalon channel been like? We are already controlled by the ruling party of the so, 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 how has uh, the Badalon uh, channels, uh, the PTV network, covered uh, the uh, the story? Quite biased, absolutely biased. I mean, if you want to really want to know what is happening there. Uh, you don't go to that particular channel because you know that and that's the credibility and the transparency about the media. Everyone knows in Punjab that that channel is owned by who. 
so people don't uh, you know vouch for that and they try to look at other media and unfortunately our national media doesn't carry that much of news about punjab which is very very unfortunate well there's that's when news laundry steps in hope we can provide some clarity and we hope to get some more updates from you sir uh, in the next few uh, days uh, we'll reach out to you again I mean while we discuss you know all the media happenings on our show I hope you can stay with us for a while longer while we discuss so we'd like to hear your perspectives too Yes certainly I'll be here Yeah uh, so yeah and you can jump in anytime if you have something to say Okay except we okay. try not to shout too much over each other once in a while it's allowed but as soon as he who hear someone's collar has been grabbed you know we've like gone into the hot zone uh so Madhu why don't you start uh, the first thing that I want to discuss was which actually we've had a discussion internally also Uh, pay attention arunab don't watch cricket uh, so that uh, we uh, should we carry anonymous pieces or not for those of you brilliant brilliant two pieces sorry carry on so why don't you start uh, anand for those of uh, our listeners who are listening in uh, you can check out the two pieces we're talking about the links will be there uh, we get lots of anonymous pieces and so far we haven't been carrying them except the hardcore you know when people are just doing graphs and number crunching which is done by a group of people so you can't even give it to one person the credit uh so anand you tell me what do you think we we you know we yeah, got I mean, our I, mind on this so let me begin by saying that i mean i thoroughly enjoyed both the pieces uh, one by you abhinandan and the other one by um, rainman who is i don't know whether he is on twitter or not or is uh, just uh, this thing um <clears throat> and for the fir- for the probably for the second time in my life i am undecided um it was the first time <laughs> <laughs> should i marry her <laughs> <laughs> let that let that remain uh, <laughs> shrouded in mystery but uh, uh, you know i uh, i i actually was uh, i am for publishing anonymous pieces you know and in fact i wrote a piece on this um 2 years ago on uh, and that kind of uh, uh, you know included uh, bits on veer sanghvi and chanakya mm-hmm. you know that kind of writes every sunday on this thing and i also mentioned about economist mm-hmm. they never mention who is the author um so i i read rainman's piece and i and i think he has very meticulously given the reasons and you know his reasons are very logical if someone is for example you know don't give a, that away let our people read his piece right, i don't know right. what anand thinks yes okay so uh, but then i read your piece um so let me just say i'm undecided right now dear god I'm i hope i was hoping you'd help us say <laughs> <come on. laughs> i i i see your point i see your point about transparency but i also see the point about uh, you know what rainman says if you know the prosecuted um, uh, persecuted minority yeah. for example like uh, lgbt or let's say hindus right they don't want to be outed um, right <laughs> <laughs> that took a couple of seconds didn't it yeah, yeah. but um, but it's a fascinating discussion so Ma- i haven't uh, madhu you know, what do you i think <clears throat> i think it should be dealt with case by case yeah. Yeah. i think it's like uh, am i going to do a bypass or am i going to put the guy on medicine All right so i think it can't be decided as a blanket rule so as a because, blanket rule you're against it no as a blanket rule no because it w- because then there. it also if it's a it's like every anonymous person can write anything then it then smacks of lack of responsibility and not standing up for what you're writing so i think that when we know the editors know uh, who the person is and we have the identity intact and we know the reason uh, on why it is being uh, published anonymously because it's either to protect the identity for safety or for his job or there's a valid reason for it then i would definitely say 
it, if, if it's good information that people should know about, then it should be carried. But if it becomes like Twitter, that you can just abuse and write anything and, oh, and, course, and make isn't. accusations wildly without, uh, without any proof, and because it's anonymous, it doesn't matter, I would be totally against that. I think that if you're going to put, your, uh, put accusations there, you have to put your name there. You can't just make wild accusations that somebody is so dishonest. So any piece that has a specific that I have seen X, Y, Z, those should have names. If it's an opinion piece, as you say, we can go without... Uh... No. I, in, in fact, the other way around, even in an opinion piece, a person should be able to stand by what he's written. If there's a reason to protect his opinion for some reason, that, you know, he'll be beaten up or whatever. I think it has to be handled on a case-by-case -case basis. I don't think we can have a blanket Abhishek. rule on this. And definitely not an anonymous or open season, because that, I think, will become like Twitter, because uh, the bad part about we, Twitter... Is, oh, by the way, hmm. I have some news for you. Huh? There, is, there is a guy who has now taken your... Uh, Abhi, there is an Abhichandan Sikri. <laughs> who is, is who it is, real? As in, Abhichandan Sikri is a secular hum humanist, and he's and he's writing in the comment section of News Laundry, oh. and which ties in with this anonymous thing because how dangerous it can be. Okay, and this afternoon when I got into the car and I see your picture, okay, yeah. on a Twitter handle, and it says your picture, and it says Jholawala number one, and then it says. <laughs> Madhutrayan, why don't you check pieces for logical weakness before publishing? And I think, this guy is telling me to check. He should be checking. And then I look again. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, oh, my God. Brilliant. Oh, I get it. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, 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 so, you know, this anonymity is highly, highly dangerous. Sorry, Vipin, what do you say? Would you, Vian, help us make up our mind on this? Yeah, I actually wanted to get into it. Uh, I am not in favor of, you know, uh, anonymous names. I mean, uh, or, uh, you know, fake names coming out. Uh, they should be in the interest of uh, transparency and credibility. I think it is important that the authors be their real name. Uh, it could be, uh, for you know, one has to pay a price for it. But it is very important. You know, I have been an editor uh, for the last about 17 years, and uh, I have faced about, I think, about two dozen cases because I was the editor and I was responsible under the PRB Act. So somebody's neck has to be on the line. So if, what if somebody just tries to, the facts are not very clear. Somebody has to take the responsibility. So I think in that case, what Madhu is saying is it's, it's the editors, which is so, like ours, Madhu. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. Uh, Abhishek, I don't know. Again, I mostly agree with what Madhu said, that it should be dealt on a case-to-case -case basis. And as a rule, we sh shouldn't allow, but in, there should always be a scope uh, for, you know, exceptions. Also, uh, uh, I, I think I have my bias in favor of uh, anonymous pieces has to do with something, the fact that historically, I think uh, it has a lot of good. Some of the best pieces of literature and journalism came out of it. Like George Orwell, his real name was Eric Blair. Mm. When he wrote his first book, Dawn and Out in Paris and London, he was, he, it was a book about, po about how the poorest section in Paris and London lived. But he was too ashamed that, you know, he was a public school educated uh, man and what his family and colleagues would think. So he wasn't sure if he should use his real name. But today he has become a classic, you know, uh, but book even on... Uh, let me correct you a little. I think his first book was Burmese Days. No, no. It was Dawn and Out in Paris and London. I think it was Burmese okay, Days. Okay, I give you 30 okay, seconds. Even Watergate, went, he was God for me at one point of time. Although it was uh, Woodward Bern and Bernstein. Sorry, huh? it was Burmese Gate? Okay. Even... Uh, Abhishek, sorry. These two have outvoted you. But no, we'll check on Google. I think the first book was... I mean, I don't... 
as far as i know facebook was sorry madhu was saying uh even in a story like watergate watergate which was one of the biggest stories of that decade um brought a presidency down uh the although the authors were of course uh, got their bylines they would have fought for it but the source was anonymous deep throat was anonymous of course recently i think it was only a year or two ago when the he came out and said i was deep throat yeah but that that's different you can have a source 30, like you know a lot of later. a lot of sources give you the story but a reporter then follows it up here i'm talking about a complete piece completed written out everything lands up you know who it is that, that sorry you were saying uh, arunab i i think uh, i mean the reader has a right to know where it comes from you know politically in the case of uh, the piece that we carried you know uh, uh, the new york times piece which i personally don't agree with uh, i mean a lot of uh, the conclusions that he came to i think uh, i think the i think the uh, reader had the right to know where he came from uh, you know uh, and uh, i mean uh, where he came from and i i think in the interest of transparency and i think for the reader i mean it's very important that he knows where the piece is coming from i mean <coughs> so i am not quite in support of uh, anand before pieces. anand comes in i just want to tell we have a vote uh, like on this piece we we wanted to you know discuss with our subscribers those who help us survive who pay to keep us afloat thank you all so much subscribers uh, there the poll is 65% say yes to anonymous pieces 35% say no they just want the dirt no. <laughs> yeah, yeah sorry anand you were saying no i mean i i i a i completely agree with madhu uh, i partly agree with you abhinandan because you said as far as uh, when whistle blowers are concerned we would like to keep them anonymous and i would add what madhu said to that if someone is pro- uh, persecuted and you know wants to write then case by case is fine but let me bring out a very nice because it's a day of analogies uh, you know a nice analogy scientific analogy You see, uh, if you ask any scientist uh, how difficult it is to publish in international journals, the first thing he would say is that uh, you know there is a discrimination against Indian scientists, and it actually includes me because I I know this for a fact. You ask anyone, so uh, there's also a background to it. The, uh, background in the sense to that, the discrimination. Yes, I mean, you know, and they just don't uh, somehow you know the the West is still. perplexed as to how a country where 830 million indians earn 20 rupees a day is able to do science and have the gumption to you know send their manuscripts to let's say science nature nature you know all these cells all that so uh, i in fact if i have some money at some point of time i would like to commission a survey of these indian scientists and first find out how much how many scientists believe but according to me a lot but again quote and quote this is thing but you see the solution to that is you uh you send your manuscript to the editor so the editor knows uh, where the manuscript is coming from but when the editor sends it for peer review to three reviewers he does not disclose the address so the editor's so credibility is the filter yes right you okay. know and so it is a blind so when the reviewers don't know that it's coming from india or pakistan or burma or something they will evaluate the uh the manuscript on the merits, on the merits. you see Fair enough. so you know i i think that's that's an interesting okay thanks so oh, much we'll move on to the next subject also i just like to thank vipin who's a subscriber uh to news laundry thank you vipin uh appreciate a subscription now we'll start off with you the next issue we are going to be discussing is um uh what do i have okay the entire debate about statistics we had rupa's piece and madhu's piece another piece went Can up I today i start with that yeah uh, see the what i learned from this experience was that people don't want to read so what your headline is is your story so if they pick out a headline which may not even reflect the full article or the sense of it um 
they're just responding without reading. And that to me was so discouraging that I thought, you know, why am I writing? I, I should just write headlines and tweets and that's enough. <laughs> why do I spend days writing a piece together, doing the research, checking, double checking, getting feedback and all that. So that I found was that a big learning experience that people do not, and one guy even said that uh, it, this is too complicated and long, uh, we can't read it. So there is a really sad uh, awareness now that people are not willing to put in the time to actually read an article before commenting. One woman, Ratti Parker, said, I don't read your stuff anyway, because I know what it's going to be, and therefore I don't read it. But she's commenting and commenting and com commenting over and over again. So that is very weird. Secondly, my article was started with the fact that Rupa herself had debunked the theory of statistics. All right. She said, I've, she, after short term you, statistics. Yeah, she said short term statistics don't work. We'll have to, and she'd given short term statistics. And then she said they don't work because you have to wait for the long term. So my argument was if you're saying yourself that we can't make it, come to any conclusions with short term statistics, then why are you using them? That was my logic. Not that statistics per se are useless. But the interpretation because of the headline was just that, that you're saying statistics are useless. People, it's been repeated over and over again that they want to read what reinforces their own beliefs. But that is if, the it doesn't, that, but, if it doesn't, then you're biased. But that is universal. I, I just think that, A, one should never argue or want to reason with Twitter. So that is not your constituency for... And there's no place for nuance. For, for reasonable argument. So that is a place for fun and masti. That's not a place... I mean, you cannot base but a I think what uh, Anand did with oh Hartosh, oh that dear. poem and everything, is a Pulitzer Prize winning tweet. Oh dear. So, anyway, <laughs> Tweets. Uh, 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 yeah, Mr. Pabbi, if you want to weigh in on this entire environment of intolerance debate that has kept everybody occupied for a while... Um, yeah. Any 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 viewers? I don't know if you've read the piece on News Laundry and even otherwise on uh, that. Uh, yeah, I was just hearing about that, you know, the trolls and all that. So, uh, it's a personal experience also and most people will be having it. That, you know, you write one, something about a particular section and they get after you and they're most abusive. Recently I read some uh, piece from a, 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 a publication which said that this is the biggest danger to Twitter and social media is abuse. These people can go to any extent. As Madhu was saying, they won't read beyond the headlines. And they will just start commenting and they will be very vicious. So I think that needs some kind of... Fair enough, but yeah, I think that, that is something about Twitter. But otherwise, on this entire environment of intolerance and threatening, I mean, do you, do you view that in... you have any view on that at all? Yeah, yeah, no, it's... it's uh, every, I think, journalist will have this kind of an experience because this intolerance... Uh, it is not, it's not healthy minds who are you know, indulging in this kind of thing. And you can't really expect uh, you know, everyone to be on the same page. Uh, but the, the way these people get abusive and intolerant, this is very, very unfortunate. Anand, you're saying? Yeah, so let me start by making the first of my 25 points. But, you know, I mean, let, let me actually begin by really saying that I, you know, I, I wouldn't like to discuss Rupa's, uh, uh, you know, piece, uh, especially because, I mean, in, in science, I know, you know, they're like somebody publishes and other people rebut it. And it's, uh, you know, it's the best person to answer for one's piece is... Yeah, we wanted Hartosh and that podcast to happen. Yeah, it's not so, happening. Yeah, I've asked Hartosh, he said yes. Yeah. Anyway. No, I think both of them have... Uh, huh. On a podcast. Hartosh said yes. Hartosh said yes. And yeah. Yeah. We haven't uh, heard from her yet. Anyway. Hmm. Yeah, but, uh, you hmm. know, so I, I don't know whatever the thing hmm. is. But, uh, you know, and I, I read the uh, rebuttal to Rupa's piece that has been published. And, uh, 
let me say that uh, I actually found it quite rude, mm -hmm. uh, in addition to being, uh, you know, a bit of uh, rambling there. Mm -hmm. And let me take the example of Madhu, for example. Madhu did a rebuttal to Rupa. It wasn't rude at all. She made her point. And in fact, even though I, I told Madhu I disagree with her thesis and I agree with Rupa's thesis, uh, but uh, I, I loved Madhu's piece because it was very heartfelt. It was straight from the heart. It was uh, very emotional. And it, it said all the things that I loved. Uh, you know, so I, I love that piece. Second example is you have Abhinandan rebutted me once mm. when I, you know, said, uh, I wrote uh, on Arvind Kejriwal's this thing. You rebutted. You weren't rude at all. So I, I think like rebuttals. Because huh? <laughs> I like you. Yes. Otherwise, I can be a pretty rude bastard, you know. <laughs> so, you know, there is no need for you. You know, if you are rebutting, you are obviously, I, t I go with the assumption, I mean, as in science, that you're rebutting, uh, you know, on the basis, on the strength of evidence that you have, that you can rebut. So just put that evidence. And you know, let the people. No, I have but one point to make. Yeah, so I can, that you, you see, actually, I didn't see. I didn't well. see my piece as a rebuttal to Rupa. Right. Exactly. Actually, I didn't see. I didn't write it as that. Oh. What I was actually saying, the thrust of it was that when an atmosphere is created in a country, that is not a measurable. Okay, so what I'm saying is that when there's an em emotion of hatred or love or passion or patriotism or whatever it is, it is not quantifiable or measurable. So statistics have its place as statistics, but there is so much going on before those statistics result in actual actions or whether those statistics have come from actual actions. The atmosphere as exists today uh, is not measurable and we have to just and don't take my word for it. Just get your own feel in your community and what your that's what my point was. That that is something that one has to experience. Yes, I don't know your view. Uh, no, if you I, have one on the whole data, because it's not just about a piece or two. I would like this to be a larger discussion about, because it's about data, about not X's piece or Y's piece or Madhu's piece or those two young PhD scholars' pieces, about where data is used and how it's used. I, I just like to keep it on that. Hmm. Um. Data is, of course, an excellent tool. And uh, then, as someone who has studied econometrics formal, formally and forgot all of it, <laughs> I still uh, Welcome uh, to <laughs> I, I admit it's an excellent tool. Uh, but I think we, we should be very careful, very, because more often than not, you know, most of us do that. Most of us fall into that trap of, you know, the, the old saying goes that data can be, you know, treated to yield desired result. And I think Rupa's case and the uh, rebuttal by TIS students, I am really confused because you now Rupa might say, okay, she would say it was a laughable response and she might again rebut. But in for layman, how would we know, you know, what the truth is mm. or at least what the facts are? So all we can hope is the data people should, you know, act responsibly and just be careful. Otherwise, I don't know. I know. I mean, uh, about I, data. About data. Uh, I think. I think uh, it's about how you treat data. I mean. I, I mean, uh, uh, you can always, you know, have a different set of uh, for every set of number. You can always produce a different set of numbers that tell a completely op that says a completely opposite story. So I think. I mean, and data is great. I think. I think numbers are great. They tell. They, they say a lot. But I don't think. I mean, there's. There's. I think to a story, there's always more in numbers. Uh, I mean, also how you, I mean, I think how you treat number, particularly in Rupa's piece, I think there's this portion about where uh, she says uh, 2013 was an outlier uh, in terms of UP's data, uh, UP's numbers, the numbers uh, uh, shot up drastically, that was because of the Muzaffar, uh, that was because of the Muzaffar Nagar riots, which she says uh, was uh, one year after Akhilesh uh, came to power, which is, 
uh, I mean, uh, another way of looking at it, I'm not saying the correct way of looking at it, is that it happened just before the elections uh, just, uh, and the Muzaffarnagar riots. Uh, you know, a lot of BGP leaders have been convicted by the court. So, I mean, it's, it's one way of looking at data, I, I suppose. And, uh, Mr. Pabbi, what is your view on big data? How telling is it to come to conclusions that are social and political in nature? I, I believe uh, data doesn't give the true picture or the complete picture. It has to be the context, what, what context, what time, and what other you know, the circumstances. That is also important. So it doesn't give the complete picture. It gives the trend, but doesn't give the complete picture. Okay, I see. If I could now just quickly say my piece, I read two or three nice pieces on this. The links of this will be available on the podcast. One was a New York Times piece about police killings of blacks, what the data says. In that, I'll quote from the piece. It's by Senjil Mullenathan. Uh, and thanks to alert viewer Dikshant Bagh, who tweeted this. Uh, he has the data of you know, killings and arrests of you know, uh, African-Americans. And it says, but what the data does not suggest is that eliminating the biases of all, political, of all police officers would do little to materially reduce the total number of African-American killings. In that same piece, it also says that uh, as an economist who has studied racial discrimination, I've become to look at these deaths from a different angle. There is ample statistical evidence of large and persistent racial bias in other areas. Uh, and in this case, the data is unequivocal. Police killings are a race problem. However, it does not prove that biased police officers are more likely to shoot blacks in any given encounter. I mean, you can read the full piece. I mean, I don't want to go into the details. But basically, what it's saying is that this data actually tells you nothing because there are too many other things, which is what that other... Which he is what says, I said. Yeah, exactly. Now, the thing is, now, you know, I, I just like to point out this one thing that has, uh, one is about rudeness, Anand. I think that's a question of style. Like, for example, a lot of people find yeah, Bill Ma. It can put you off, but what I'm saying is that's <laughs> hardly a compelling argument. I mean, rudeness yeah, is as India compelling distracts. an argument. So I'm just saying, like, for a lot of people, a snarky, funny comment is rude. According to me, it's not. I think it's clever, it's great, it makes a point. So that yeah. is. Yeah, they, they weren't being rude in a humorous no, way. No, no, I understand that. But what I mean, I'm saying you know, is that's subjective. When, when I read that thing, hmm. uh, what came to my mind was, I think, Surjit Bhalla's, uh, I mean, someone who rebutted Surjit Bhalla in Indian Express. Hmm. Downright rude but, and obnoxious. But, you know. but I, doesn't yeah, I again, agree with you. I agree with you. I think you make your point. Yeah, again, what I'm saying is, I'll just finish my piece. Uh, what I'm saying is that, so that is as relevant to the discussion as for someone like Madhu says, how relevant is data? For someone, how relevant is politeness? What are the strength of your arguments? So that is, uh, you know, uh, no, the one piece. Data but is relevant, but, but there's yeah, more to but it. So it's exactly my same. So one was that New York Times piece. The second is this piece on labor, uh, gender, uh, uh, you know, pay gap. In the last quarter, in the U.S., the pay gap, the gender discrimination, or the pay gap between genders has widened. Does that mean that now suddenly fem feminism is losing its battle, and you know, a, a certain we're going back in America as far as a professional pay is concerned. No, it's just that data. There are so many complex issues that actually influence this. The example I want to give is I want to show you this picture. Around my house, this, suddenly these stickers have come up, which has go hatyaro ko phansi do, go hatyaro ko maro. Uh, now, this has never, I haven't seen this. I've lived here in 22 years. Uh, there are uh, two very large you know, VHP um, uh, offices, which have suddenly the boards have surfaced. This next to your house. This is, this is yeah, near my house. And, and, and on one side of this is... You better watch out. On one side is <laughs> Swachh Bharat. You see this wall? It's a wall of a gutter. On one side is Swachh Bharat. On this side is Phansi Ho Gohatyaro Ko. And then on the other side of that is Phansi Ho Gohatyaro Ko, Gohatyaro Karne Walo Ko Maro. Now, 
I don't know the statistical evidence of how many places this has come up. You know, I don't, I don't have and the data on that. I don't have how many people it'll inspire. And also, what you know, this other piece uh, that it says the the New York Times piece on on police, that how many were convicted? Like, for example, let's say ten people were killed, and all ten were convicted in one case, and in another case, no one was convicted. Does that mean that there is an endorsement from the authorities that we will not convict them? It is way more complex than that, and there is no data. And as far as it comes to you know rudeness or politeness, I think it's up personally what Madhu was saying. You know, we want to. We'll notice the rudeness of some, we want to notice out of the other. For example, <clears throat> and for, for me this doesn't matter, but I'm just bringing it up because you brought up rudeness. Now, <clears throat> you notice Hartosh calling Rupa a bigot, and you ticked him off for it. Now, Rupa called Madhu's piece a horse shit piece. Now, I don't have the data to prove that horse shit may be a technical term I used by that. economists, a technical, <laughs> a, techni a technical term used by economists to describe something. I don't have the data, but in my limited experience, it is not. And but it's irrelevant, honestly, for me. Uh, so I just think we notice what we choose to and reinforce what we choose to. But Actually, it's your tolerance level. Like, if she calls my piece horseshit, it doesn't bother me. Okay, I just called her piece journalistically weak. That was enough for her to freak out completely. I didn't abuse her. I didn't. I just said it was journalistically weak. And that, I think, is but a very as mild... I said, it was my personal opinion. Yeah, I mean, it was your, actually, I repeated it as your, um, uh, you said it to me, and I thought so, too. So, fine. But her reaction to that was way over the top. I, it was not rude. Somebody thinks it's journalistic. Yeah, it's journalistic. She thinks mine is horseshit. Yeah, fine, it's horseshit. What's the big deal? So, I think... But, huh, sorry, go ahead. Just, yeah, I mean, just a couple of points I'd like to make. One, one, you talked about the gender thing. I think in data, uh, the interpretation of data has to be done taking into account, you know, the, uh, the well-known theories of causation and correlation. Okay, so that's number one. We cannot, we cannot just say that, you know, something has happened here, another thing has exactly. happened there and there. So that is, that is understood. I mean, that's, you know, the thing. But my thing was actually, uh, when I started tweeting about the, the data, was nothing to do with Rupa at all. In fact, if you notice, her piece came two days after I had, you know, <laughs> looked at the data. So I, Hartosh was the one, the grizzly bear that Hartosh is, who dragged <laughs> me into this, you know, so I have nothing to but do with that. But what is Hartosh's position? He seems to be against everybody. I, no, well, Hartosh's yeah. position, I, so, it's a complex, we'll call him again. Yeah, Hartosh is a complex animal, yeah. <laughs> I'd love to hear it, he's always interesting. Yeah, yeah. he is, absolutely. So, and he's always combative. Recently, I tweeted on the, uh, uh, the crimes committed against the scheduled caste hmm? in UPA, in the period of UPA, specific, specifically in... Uh, I mean, the UPA 2, there were 94 crimes committed every day, okay? In 2013, when there were two communal incidents happening every day, there were 108 crimes, 15 crimes, uh, sorry, one crime every 15 minutes mm. happening during the, during the UPA, okay? Now, I saw a film, I can't remember the name of the film, it's uh, based on a novel by John Grisham where uh, uh, a, a daughter is raped and the guy is, uh, shoots the... Time to kill. Was it a time to kill? And then in the closing arguments, uh, the lawyer knows he's probably going to lose or something, so he asks everyone, including the judge, including the people, to close their eyes. Now, this is what I want you to do, people around this desk. Can you close your eyes for a minute, please? Mm. Okay, so now that your eyes are closed, just imagine, there were 2,000 rapes that happened in 2013 against Dalits. Now, if one of those rapes had got the coverage that we've got here on an equally condemnable incident, okay, what do you think would have happened? What do you think people would have said? 15, every 15 minutes, a crime is committed. And if that single crime out of 108 per day gets the same amount of coverage that 
you know, a single crime is getting now, you can imagine, try and picture the victim, try and picture what is happening. So what I meant was, yeah, but know, that is there is, so my thing was not against the use of data or again, this thing. My thing was when people are saying that intolerance is creeping in, my thing was that intolerance was there in the last four years or whatever. And I think the point that Madhu made, which is also my point is, that you have made a very absolute statement that the amount of crime data demonstrates that is the intolerance going up. My point is that is not a correlation. There are many other things. For example, the endorsement of what the leaders say. That is a measure and that is not data sensitive. That so is what I'm what saying. What you've done is, Niku, what you're saying is that there are three BJP leaders, four BJP leaders who are condemnably, who are asses, and we've all condemned that, who are condoning persons. Who are condoning spokespersons. This. Okay, spokespersons. Let's say, I think even leaders, I yeah. would say. Even though, okay, but PhD, you can also, BJP, But you can always say, leader ko main chup nahi kar sakta, spokesperson ko aap kar sakta hai. Okay. Nahi hota. Nahi, leader ko bhi chup... No, you can say, I, it's, he's a chief minister of Haryana, how can I... No, they have called no, them up. Do that whole called federal them and told no, them No, I, I don't know what happened to that. Even, equally, there are other spokespersons who've condemned that. Right? Shazia Elmi has condemned it. or other. No, no, I don't know. Arun Jetli has condemned the vandalism and the violence. Yesterday, okay. Okay, Pranab is the president, so he. Can so what I be... want to know from Abhinandan is that if somebody makes a asinine or a silly statement, okay, uh, not condoning it but saying, oh, so what, whatever, you know, really hmm. crazy statement. Aisi baatein ho jati hain. Hmm. Ho jati hain. Accident okay. tha. Yes. Hmm. Hmm. So uh, if a person has made that statement, hmm. is there a, a physical thing that is going to result from it? Hmm. Is there a communal incident that is going to result from it? And if not, then do you have any objection to, let's say, a hate speech being made? Because when Akbar Akbruddin Owesi says that in 15, give me 15 minutes, I'm going to wipe out 800 million Hindus, hmm. okay, do you think the, I don't think intolerance I'll has, answer the question. I don't think intolerance has increased because this guy has made a hate speech. Okay. Or Togadia or Swami. Okay, Swami says, I mean, you know. Okay, I'll answer your question. Are you asking a question? Final point, final hmm. point, you know, you say BJP spokespersons are making all these statements. I say scroll down Swami's thing. I mean, you know, if you think BJP spokespersons are making, Swami is making on every tweet, he's Fair making enough. a statement <coughs> that, you, you know. So, yeah, which proves my point, which is, he's still, but the question that you asked me, that, yes, it matters. I'll give you, hate speeches, See, the two different things. Are you saying should hate speech be legal or not legal? Is, is that what you're asking me? Or are you asking me do hate speeches influence the environment? What's the question? Yeah, what I'm saying is... Do they influence the environment or do they, uh, should they be legal or illegal? Did what, what's the hate the speech of uh, OAC, hmm. did the hate speech of, let's say, or Swami, hmm. has it led into concretization yes. or a yes. physicality yes, it does. of this? Yes, thing. it does. And I'll Give tell you, you must... Yeah, you, now, that's exactly what About I'm saying. OAC. Here's what I'm saying. When you have speeches like that, it makes people polarized, it polarizes communities, and it justifies violence. Because you say, we'll wipe it out. So someone who is listening to it, I'll give you a simple example. You must listen to this podcast, Open Source with Christopher Lydon. It's with Paul Thoreau. Okay, now, now, in this, he talks about, he was on a flight once, and a white man sitting next to him, you know, a stewardess came, and he said, oh, not another Negro stewardess. Now, he says, this was at that time in the 80s, 70s, when this was not... Like, no one would turn around and say, my God, how can he say something like that? And he would be, like, taken to task by people around him. And it was not even at the time when it was legitimate and okay to say it. It was at that cusp, you know? Now, the more people would say stuff like that, or if that was the popular perception where a white president said, 
each time, you know, he entered something in full view of medias, saying that, oh, not another Negro serving me. Well, LBJ used to do that, Johnson. Exactly. And he, it, was, he couldn't say Negro even, <coughs> because he'd been brought up saying nigger. So his Negro used to come out like nigger. So it legitimizes that. And yes, it leads to concrete position. But if you say that, isne ye bola, do mare. Usne wo bola, char mare. That is not but how this works. Give me the example how so, Akbaruddin Ovesi's hmm. hate speech hmm. has led to I'll tell you, communal uh, no, violence. I'll give you give Again, that's what I'm saying, Anand. It is, that's not how it works. You are asking me to say, tell me by how many frogs croaking... So, but let me finish now. How many frogs croaking leads to a good monsoon? There's no answer to that question. No, no, no. One second, one second. If you're looking for concrete evidence that somebody sees a film and then goes and commits murder identically, or if you're looking for a Oasis speech and somebody says, I, usne bola aise karo, I don't think people get influenced in such a obvious concrete and obvious way. It's a build-up of an atmosphere where, it, where a certain part of a society endorses, like Oasi endorsing a certain way of thinking where uh, 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 Muslims will believe that it's, uh, it's doing the right thing by, by Islam and by Allah to go and do it. So it's not something that will, you can uh, prove by data or by... That's exactly my point, that these are influences that come within a society. But, one second, the, I saw something that was floating on WhatsApp, okay, and I was quite shocked. And I'm, it takes a lot to shock me. This was a guy who was sitting in a primarily Muslim audience, which you could see, with people with their caps on and women with the hijab, or the head covering and all that. And he was really making jokes, which was, I suppose, funny. But I found, being a Hindu, uh, I found them offensive. So he's saying that there's uh, Hindus went to a, a milestone and they started worshipping it because they worship anything that's lying on the ground or any stone or whatever. And somebody questioned them that, why are you worshipping this thing? He says, Isse baga, bada bhagwan kaise ho sakta? Ye to bata ke aligar se. To aur kaun bata sakta? And these were the kind of very mocking jokes. I think that that creates a really bad atmosphere. So I'm surprised that this guy has not been targeted by anybody. Because his whole uh, uh, speech was... I would consider anti-Hindu. And Kumar Vashwa, uh, Kumar, what's his name? Vishwas. Was sitting there and laughing his head off. So I guess he's a liberal and can laugh. It's, it's funny. But I think there comes a point where jokes or Awasi's violent, violent talk or any uh, fundamentalist talk from either religion creates that atmosphere which makes it okay. Uh, the banality of... Now let Anand have a last word, then we'll get uh, Mr. Pabian yeah. on our you see, next. Hmm. I think according to me, it is impossible to owe, to tell people, uh, you know, this is how you should behave, this is how you should say, because the fact of the matter is we've been, uh, you know, at least in our thoughts, I would like to say, you know, I don't want to repeat what Dr. Ambedkar said of the villages, them being a cesspool, them being a den of ignorance. We have been like that. I mean, there are hundreds of thousands of people every day, you know, in their minds, who are bigoted, who are, if, if, if they have not provided, if they have not been provided a rostrum, you know, they would have made, uh, you know, even more virulent speeches than Togadia or Avesi. It's impossible to stop that. Okay, Mr. Because, you know, that this climate. Mr. Pabi, what is your view as leaders? Um, does, do what leaders say influence what happens on the ground or they too exist, um, you know, parallelly? Oh, I, oh, thank you, everybody, with Madhu. Uh, you know, it's a build up, uh, it's the kind of atmosphere that is building up. 
uh, over the you know the period which is uh, right up by all kind of people. Uh, but the more uh, you know vulnerable are those uh, you know uh, who are not really very educated and all, and they are more impressionable. So I think it, uh, it there has to be some kind of a, you know limit to the kind of speeches. Here is a mail which I would just like to read out, which kind of puts the two things together. We've spoken about data, uh, sorry, about anonymous pieces and about this whole mahal. You know, I had written a piece on uh, why I support Bill Maher's view on Islam when he was called an Islamophobe. And I had been very critical of Islam worldwide. I believe it hasn't used a critical mass where enough liberals take a stand against the you know hardliners. And a lot of people felt, including Mahima in our own office, who thought I was being Islamophobic and Manisha, sorry. Manisha was of the view that I was, Mahima wasn't, uh, that I was being Islamophobic. And I asked her to write a piece anyway. Now, I got this mail from a lady who didn't want to be named. She is Muslim. Uh, it landed up in my inbox. Hi, Abhinandan. Forgive me for mailing you on what seems like a personal email ID. Uh, but Google makes it rather simple to find people's details. I'll, I won't go into the whole thing. She's explained to me why she thought my piece was wrong and very offensive. And uh, she says, while you know, I read your piece agreeing with Bilma, uh, it's long. She says, while the points you raise about calling out Islam when it's fair is something I have absolutely no issue with, I'm surprised that you have left the entire context with which these discussions take place out of the picture. The context is Islamophobia. And th she's gone on to explain to me how I'm being Islamophobic and as prejudiced as you know, any hardcore right-winger. So I wrote back to her, said thank you for your mail, and I explained my point of view. And in the end I wrote, uh, if you don't mind, I would like to feature your mail in the letters and as a piece in News Laundry. She wrote back, thanks for your response to my mail, and then she rebutted all the points that I had made, and she said, if you haven't noticed so far, I'm mortally afraid of the comment section of any website. No social media for me, and don't think I want my emails published. And then she goes on to explain she doesn't even want people to know this is what she thinks. Uh, I don't think she's living in an imaginary cuckoo land. I think her fear is real. Mm. And this, so, and, and it was a very heartfelt mail, and I said, look, I can only publish it if you tell me who, if you allow me to publish her name, I know who she is. But she says, no, I will not, I, I can't take that risk. It will, I will not be able to sleep at night because of the abuse I'll get. So, so I would publish so that anonymously because it presents... You would have published that, right? I would because one, I would be interested to know uh, uh, what her response is to his Islamophobia. And my <laughs> Just as I was against statistics, now I can dump on you. And um, Islamophobe. Yeah, statophobe. Mm. And uh, it would be interesting to see both points of view. I'd like to see how, how she rebuts uh, Abhinandan. And definitely I would publish it in the anonymous. Uh, anonymously, because it's the point Bill, of view that's important. Bill Maher has a segment, I think, new segment that says, I don't have the facts with me, but please take it from me, it's yeah, true. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> I've seen that. Um, uh, sorry, Mr. Pabi, anything remarkable you saw in the mainstream media before we wind up and let you go that you want to share with our viewers and listeners, which you thought was worth uh, a read or a listen? Uh, you know, I, all my life I've worked with mainstream media, but um, uh, it's only lately that I've walked into social media, thanks. But uh, it's important that the mainstream media, you know, they're getting into too much of micro things at times and just forgetting the whole kind of picture. So what's happening is that you read something in Chandigarh and Punjab and all that, and you don't find any mention of it in, the, in Delhi and other parts of the country. Right. So I think it's important that, you know, whatever is happening, because there are a lot of people in Delhi and other places also and across the country who would like to know what is happening. And so mainline, mainstream media needs to... No, update oh, thank you so much, Mr. Pabi, for joining us. We'll be winding up uh, thank now. You. It's a pleasure thank having you. Thank you. Last night, um, 
Barkha's interview with Lalu Prasad Yadav was pure gold. Really? Yeah, I saw that. He was fabulous. He was just. He gets TV, you know, like Modi gets TV. how to address a large a audience. Large you audience, put you put Modi on stage. TV. He's a performer for stage. You know, he can really those hands and he speaks. Lalu is made for TV. He was fabulous. He Dubai me kisko milne gaya tha? Kisne mulaqat? And the way he jumped kar us And she was having a little trouble controlling herself from laughing, but he's he's magic. He's always been from the time I think Newstrack were the were the first to interview him on television. And it was a fabulous interview, which was about urine, cow's <laughs> urine, and how useful it is, and how he gave us every body part of the cow, how useful, how, how <clears throat> he uses every everything about the cow, and um, he's still magic. I think he's wonderful. Um, Arunav, anything that you saw which was great? Yeah, uh, yeah. It was last week. Uh, Intercept uh, published uh, an entire package on uh, the Obama administration's drone war in the Middle East. I think, uh, apart from being it being a brilliant, brilliant story, I think the way it was told, I mean, it, it just shows the power of the internet. Uh, I think it's an excellent story, and it's a great, great example of you know how multimedia journalism should be done. As Madhu keeps us telling all the time, keeps telling us all the time. Right. Sorry. As you keep telling us all the time, a lot of graphics and a lot of charts. I think excellently done story. I my view is that if the if I see a story on News Laundry that could have appeared in print as it is. Then there's no point in putting it there. You have to put in things to that and connect with other things, graphics, music, information, songs. I don't. I think one of the best stories that I've loved in News Laundry is what that guy did on his Mumbai. Which one? Anand Vardhan. Anand Vardhan. Anand Vardhan's story on Mumbai songs. Yeah, songs. He told the story of Mumbai through film from songs. Bombay to Mumbai through film songs, nice, ending nice. with a rap. It was fabulous. You couldn't do that in print. Abhishek. Uh, uh, last week, I read something very interesting in a magazine I'm otherwise not a huge fan of called Frontline. Mm. So it's a slightly uh, old, <laughs> slightly old piece, but a very, and a very counterintuitive one at that about uniform civil code and how you know yes. most liberals, I included, have been argue, uh, have often believed that you know we it's, it's it's time it's been 60 years of independence that we must by now have something like a uniform civil code. It argues against it. It says basically it has been rendered irrelevant because there have been so many changes in the personal laws of all the communities that it has been rendered irrelevant. And that he says that you know if you want more gender equity, if you want a more gender just society, in which among all religions. You know, it's more a function of socio-economic status and does not does not necessarily have much to do with religion any longer. Well, you've also run, done a piece on uh, the Uniform Civil Code. Check that out. Yeah, Anand? Yeah, just two things. Uh, the first one was, um, I think, the best piece, humorous piece on news laundry. And we've been running for, what, three years? More than three years now, three and a half years. Was, uh, interestingly, an anonymous piece on yeah. the Olympic... Uh, yeah. yeah. Wow, that I viral. Know, yeah, that was really so, funny. That was amazing. Mm. That's one you know point mm. to be. I think we should just put yeah. it up again, mm. just for fun. Right, and that was anonymous. Yeah, that was anonymous. Yeah, correct. and, and we second... know who he is. Okay. Yeah, of course. Which of is course. all. Which is going to be true for all anonymous pieces. But right. the whole idea is, do we yeah. publish them at all? No, that and, was beautiful. And that what are the other pieces you've read lately? The, uh, the other one that uh, I think that uh, you know should merit some attention is there's a sedition case on Arun Jaitley, <laughs> some court, hmm. because I think he criticised the uh, Supreme Court. Yeah. By saying it's uh, tyranny of the unelected. Tyranny of the unelected on the sedition. There's a sedition charge. Sedition uh, case against (laughs) Narendra Modi also Hmm. for signing the flag. Yeah, that is correct. (laughs) 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 But you know. um, Okay, there was a a fantastic piece on Slate 
on hate speech harassment and trolling online and the history of it how the you know uh, invention of the internet or how it started what it stands for is the reason why there's so much hate why hate thrives it's a fantastic piece a must read i'd highly recommend it and this piece that i mentioned on uh, um christopher lydon's open source uh, with this writer i think it's a fantastic piece uh, it's a podcast which you can you know hear about why people want to be writers and how how environments change but you know one thing i would like you know we we obviously we are indians so our trolls are also indians you know we believe that you know we are we are in this cocoon but just for the heck of it i went to uh, you know the uh, twitter accounts of david cameron and obama and, and my god Dude. the amount of abuse they get huge bahut zyada another interesting piece i'm sorry i read when you talking about uh, internet uh, here and abroad there's a piece that came in the, the last edition of caravan uh, about uh, 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 people i mean people outside india uh, saying that india has at uh, kora has a uh, india problem i mean people do not want indians to be you know part of kora because apparently they ask very stupid questions and you know <laughs> and uh, oh dear yeah so yeah so uh, you, the, the entire online forum uh, at kora wants uh, indians out uh, for some reason One another really nice piece was i thought arunab's piece which has just been put on on his beef eating experience in delhi i think it's fantastic i think that also tells nice us a lot charge. about the mahol nice great piece uh, arunab uh, he he ate beef on our you know Ish. as it is on subscribers you have to Ish. give some more subscription this time ko ghar ja ke nahana padega to eat beef iski chhaya mere upar aayi ab main ghar ja ke nahungi aruna really and 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 just one more point acha one thing about barkha and lalu barkha kept explaining to him that this was not what they are exporting from these butcher shops is not cow meat it's not beef it's buffalo somehow lalu has not got the difference between buffalo and cow a lot of people have haven't actually so he didn't he said mujhe buffalo shop mujhe ye lafaz kuch nahi malum ye sab gai ka hai i was watching the interview of sam petroda with uh, oh, karan thapar oh that's another thing my god so you know in one of the questions sam says uh, uh, you know so my son came to me after he met rahul gandhi this is sam petroda saying mm. and he said dad this man is the future prime minister he has such deep understanding <laughs> of <laughs> india <laughs> deep understanding and then karan thapar interjection says uh, mr petroda uh, hang on a moment uh, i know mr rahul gandhi has deep understanding of the media but <laughs> one second i also want to uh, ask read uh, listeners to go into um uh this uh, the sam petroda's launch with shireen bhan interviewing him i was there and i have never seen a a book launch in which the person who's being interviewed treats the journalist with such absolute and utter contempt and rudeness he was so rude to her that every question she she'd asked he say well go read the book and she say i have read the book i have read it and then she you know start again and then again and again he just dismiss her and say but what do you he i don't know why he asked her to interview him But for the book be honest, because he Madhu, treated her very badly i have never seen a book launch where the person who's supposed to launch the book lands up you know one hour hey, just as i did it madhu okay uh okay fine uh, I, before i wind up uh, at least i wasn't rude <laughs> yeah <laughs> latest is not that uh, for i wind up our subscribers please pay to keep news free when the public pays the public is served when corporations pay corporations are served uh, so click on i pay to keep news free if you don't like us support some other independent media and for a wind up i just want to quote this comment 
uh, in the should anonymous piece be allowed or not, I had written that freedom has a price. And that price is you have to stand up for speaking you know, my, your mind. You have to make the disclosure of who you are. And a person wrote under that, the price of freedom should be so low that everyone can afford it. Lovely. And I thought that was wonderful. That who came at someone called BP. And he says anonymous pieces should be allowed. So, well, uh, I'm obviously in a huge minority on this one. Me and Arunab are, have been outvoted. Our Anand has sat on the fence. No, but, but now anyway. I'm, I agree with both of you. Okay. So, uh, you know, whistleblowers should be anonymous. anonymous. As you so say. basically you can allow anonymous pieces as long as you've yeah. vetted them. And That's as Madhu says. So today we leave you the song. I was figuring because, you know, there were just such few uh, issues that we discussed. And I figured let's go with the song that has actually used data well, or at least digits. Did everybody like that song? Yes. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> On that note, thank you for joining us. That's it for Hafta this week. Join us again next week. And I just would like to remind everybody, join us for our uh, fortnightly podcast, Global Summits. Where are we going? In collaboration with Biraj Swain. Uh, mm -hmm. And the next episode of that goes up tomorrow. Bye-bye. Catch all new episodes of NL Hafta on newsdonry.com and follow us on Twitter and Facebook.